Welcome into a brand new Friday scramble. It is February 25th, 2022. I'm Rick Gaiman. That right there is Andy Lacken. Andy, we are apparently wearing the Friday scramble uniform. We did not plan this black shirt, white hat thing. I promise we did not plan it. Yeah, this is actually like a, it's a little, it's kind of light blue. I don't uh, know if the the reflection of of the light is is hitting it correctly, but yeah, man, I am loving this tournament so far. I gotta say, Rick, I have never been so happy and pleased to watch a golfer that I had no money on, uh, did not play in DraftKings, not even am a fan of to watch whatsoever. Than the joy that I got of watching Billy Horschel play some solid, well-rounded golf yesterday. Fingers crossed. Uh, I'm looking for one more solid round of golf from Billy Horschel because at this point, I don't even care about putting four rounds together. I'd be thrilled about putting two <laughs> rounds together and cashing a $35,000 check from Billy Horschel to finally move my one-and-done total. So, so yes, fingers crossed, as we've seen, and we'll talk about this. I mean, a lot of big numbers out there, Andy. A lot of doubles, a lot of triples. Keith Mitchell was rolling yesterday until he made a double. Um, we, we Austin Smotherman this morning, a couple of bad swings, and boom, he's ejected himself out of this tournament. They're not alone. There are a lot of huge numbers, so I'm not ready to uh, count my chickens before they hatch on old Billy Horschel just yet. And speaking of one and done, I thought I was left for dead after Louis shoots plus six. Yes. And suddenly Louis Undertaker meme rises from the ashes and and is right on the cut line again. So I think in totality, Rick, we're probably going to see this leaderboard get flipped upside down a couple times more before the end of the week. But uh, I love tournaments like this. It's very tilting, obviously, but there's just a ton of variance, which uh, makes it really fun to watch. Yeah, you're never safe, and we talk so much about the Bear Trap 15, 16, 17, which on Thursday played about four-tenths of a stroke over par. That's not even the hardest three-hole stretch on the golf course, Andy, right? Five, six, and seven, actually harder. So for all of the conversation around the Bear Trap, there's basically a Bear Trap on both on both nines of this golf course. Yeah, and the other thing that I would point out, Rick, about the bear trap, and we'll touch on this a little bit more when we get into our props, <clears throat> is they actually moved the tees up yesterday. I don't know if you noticed this, but they played both the par threes from the white tees. So both of those par threes, 15 and 17, were playing in the 150-yard range. Now they have the tees back where they normally are to 170 and 180. So I think we'll even see more cartage on the bear trap today, especially as the course firms up in the afternoon. And I have a couple prize picks thoughts on that as well. Yeah. We're going to get to the prop soon because with this being on the East coast and everybody, there's a lot of guys out there already. We want to get to the props that have not started yet. So we'll get there in just one second, but DB straight vibing Andy for all the bogeys and doubles and triples that are out there. One bogey through nearly two full rounds for Daniel Berger. As we speak at the moment, he's playing his second to last hole of the day. So even if he bogeys both of those, you're talking about three bogeys over, over the first 36 holes, it's been impressive. And it's been really outside of a couple of back grabs at, uh, at Torrey and a miscut in what Phoenix, like this is what Berger has been doing for the last year. Yeah. I, I've always been, I've been banging the drum that, 
his iron play doesn't get talked about enough. He doesn't get mentioned in the same uh, sentence as like the guys that are right behind Morikawa, like JT, for example. Um, I don't know if that's because his swing like looks a little bit more wonky. It's a little bit less smooth, but in terms of like elite iron play, Berger is right up there with one of the five best iron players in the world over a pretty large sample size for like the past year and a half, two years now. Um, the injury thing, I think, threw a lot of people off his sense, including myself. I think what we saw in Phoenix was um, he missed the cut in Phoenix, which is very unlike him. And I think earlier this week he said, no, the missed cut in Phoenix didn't really have anything to do with my back. I just didn't play well. It just wasn't a great week for me. And now you see this week he's right there again on a course that suits his game pretty perfectly, in my opinion. Yeah, so Daniel Berger, kind of as we speak, front-running this thing a little bit. We'll see how he closes out his rounds. I want to get back to this leaderboard, but with, again, the early start, we, we've got to do the props just to make sure we get these in before uh, these guys actually start teeing off. So we're going to get into the props. We are presented by Prize Picks. We've got a promo code for you. We've got some options for you on this Friday. But first, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll see you on the other side. Remember, Andy Lack is not only the co-host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, The Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field, but I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those two together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. Let's prop it like it's hot. This scramble is, of course, brought to you by Prize Picks. It is a prop action that I've been absolutely loving. The code you're looking for is Rick. It's a 100% instant deposit up to $100. I see Tyler in the chat saying, where do I put that code in? There's nowhere to put it on the deposit page. I'm like 60% sure there's a spot on the deposit page. I'm 100% sure there's a spot on the sign-up page. I'm not sure if there's a way to go about doing that. Otherwise, I'll have to look into it for you, Tyler, in just one second. But Andy, um, the props, early start. Let's figure out a couple of options that we have for this week because there's a lot of options. You know, you've got the standard birdies are better. You've got the score. You've got fairways, greens. You've also got single holes. You've got bear trap. It's really a, a large selection of opportunities for us this week. Yeah, and again, what I like about it is you're dealing with um, – like, for example, the bear trap, all these things that we've talked about before, Rick, pin positions, looking at where they put up tee boxes, scoring average on specific holes. Like, we can use all of these tools and data um, to help us and use to our advantage with price picks. It's really just a math equation with a lot of these things. So, I got involved a little bit with the bear trap. I also got involved a little bit with, um, some of the other stuff. And and once again, I feel like some of these numbers, Rick, I feel like they're putting them pretty conservatively and there are some opportunities that we can take advantage of. Yeah, they're 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 giving you a chance here. They're giving you, a especially on the single. So what we've noticed in the last couple of weeks, the evolution of this is when we start talking about it or we tweet it out or we send an email out, the lines move very, very quickly. But the single hole and the bear trap stuff, they can't really move the lines. So if you think you have an edge, you can kind of destroy them, right? That's the way that I'm seeing this. Absolutely. And I think you pointed out, what was it? They 
pretty much just had the line too high on the bear trap yesterday, right? Like it yeah. was thir- yeah, it, I saw in the outline of something like 13 out of 17 went under. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was Which, um uh yes, 13 out of 17 who are who are eligible today. No, no. no. Mm. I don't have the number in front of me. Okay. Well, <laughs> the the, po- the point the point still stands that um the number yes. was too low because the Correct. vast majority went under. Now we're in a pretty cool situation with prize picks in day two where the number is completely the same. But right. as I mentioned, the course is going to firm up in the afternoon. Um, the tees are back on both the par threes. So maybe you look to buck the trend. Like that's that's what's kind of fun about it. So I'm I'm excited to dig into it. I really like both my props. Yeah, we each have a bear trap prop. You have an over, I have an under. Let's start with your over 10 and a half for the bear trap. Who is it and why? So I went with Patrick Reed over. 10.5 in the bear trap. And now I took a little bit of a chance on Patrick Reed this week in DraftKings, And I was surprised to see that he looked better yesterday. The off the tee, uh, this is the best driving round he's had in a little bit, but the irons were still a little bit of a mess. And I expect not only the course to play harder in the afternoon as it firms up. But like I mentioned, I also expect the bear trap to play harder than it did yesterday. Yesterday, they moved the tees up and played from the whites today. They're using the regular tees with two pretty, you know, not Sunday pins, but pretty take strict, tricky pin positions. <laughs> and with two of the holes on the bear trap, Rick being par threes, I think you really want to look at iron play, right? And, um, Patrick Reed's irons are still leaving a lot to be desired. So I think the combination of firmer and faster in the afternoon, Patrick Reed still not being a great ball striker and the tees moving back. I'll go with the over on Patrick Reed. And if it helps at all, I am sharing my screen right now. Patrick Reed has never played, never played the bear trap in 10 strokes or better. Never. 0 for 5. So 0 for 4 coming into the week. He went over again in round one yesterday. So now 0 for 5 for Patrick Reed. Do you think that this is part of it? Because... The bear trap is obviously a very specific stretch of holes. And you can see there are kind of some extremes on this list. This is what I'm showing. It's It, it was every golfer before round one who was eligible for the bear trap and their history around the bear trap. And you see some guys who, you know, Fowler, Berger, Neiman, Norin, Knox, who are like consistently unders. Do you think there is a part of it that uh, this hole or stretch of holes just kind of fits their eye a little bit? I do. And I'm really hesitant to use the word predictive with statistics in golf yeah but at the same time like you think about it rick and there's certain holes at my home course that i play three times every week where i always am able to like hit my drive in the exact same place because they just fit my eye and vice versa and i do think there's something to be said with over a very large sample size a hole fitting the eye of a certain player obviously there are a lot of variables involved with wind and tee boxes and pin positions. But I do think that once you're dealing with like a sample size of 10 to 20 rounds, like I do think that there's something we can draw from that. Yeah, I actually have um, two Russell Knox ones in here and I've kind of lumped them together. I've got basically a um, 
uh, an under 10 and a half bear trap and an over 12 greens in regulation. And a lot of that, uh, the, the bonus one, especially the bear trap one, you can see Russell Knox goes under again yesterday. So now he's 13 of 17 trips around the bear trap, playing them in 10 strokes or under. So there might be an aspect of him uh, fitting his eye. So I'll take the under 10 and a half on the bear trap and also knocks over 12 greens in regulation. He hit 12 in round one. He gained 2.2 strokes from T to green. To me, he's that great ball striker who appears to be in control of his game. I think that his strengths, Andy, kind of get, um, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to say magnified, but I think they're really important here. I think there, there's an advantage at PGA National for a guy who can obviously be in control of his golf ball. So these are two essentially positive Russell Knox plays over 12 greens in regulation and under 10 and a half through the bear trap. And um, I'll just ride with Russell Knox today. No, I like it. And and what you're basically saying is what data do we have on Russell Knox? Well, a couple of things that we know about Russell Knox is that he dominates the bear trap and that he's actually one of the best like mid iron players in this entire field, which also in turn is the reason why he's been so good on the bear trap. So you're basically just looking at a player specific skill set and using it to your advantage in prize picks, which I think is the way to go. I love that. Um, for my final one, Rick, I went with Neiman, Joaquin Neiman. This is just a scoring prop. I went with Joaquin Neiman over 68.5. I just think the number is too low. Like the scoring average yesterday was around 71.25. Mm-hmm. And I expect the course, as more, most courses do over the course of the week, to continue to firm up and play more difficult this afternoon and as the week goes on. And Neiman actually started out really well yesterday. He was like in the lead for a little bit. And then the wheels started to come off towards the end of the round. So he doesn't have a ton of momentum heading into round two. And he actually didn't hit the ball all that well yesterday either. He was a bit of a neutral ball striker and really got it done with the putter. So I just think the number is a little too low. Like 68 is a really, really good round around here. So I'll take the over. Yeah, I I think that's smart seeing kind of how the course is playing here today. I've already got a score prop in here, but it's more of a lean than than anything. And it's Billy Horschel under 69. And I'm trying not to just be uh, a, a prisoner to the moment of being like rooting for Billy Horschel here because that's what I want to happen. But he was basically as good of a ball striker as Daniel Berger was in round one. And I thought he got basically the worst out of what he could have scored, which was a 69, uh, no, 68 on, on Thursday. So I thought that he left a couple of strokes out there. If we continue to see that he rolls the rock a little bit better, which is generally the better part of his game. I think that Billy Horschel can shoot under 69. So our leans here, uh, Patrick Reed, over 10 and a half through the bear trap. Joaquin Neiman over 68 and a half. Billy Horschel under 69. Russell Knox over 12 greens in regulation. Russell Knox under 10 and a half on the bear trap. And I imagine Andy, if you put all of those together, you can probably get like 12 times your money if they all come through. I think so. Yeah. Like I that. mean, that that's the fun thing about prize picks. You can also kind of try and figure out how conservative or aggressive you want to be with the way that they let you kind of stack your card. So yeah, I mean, I feel great about those. I was going to say with Billy too, like you don't even have to say it's much of a lean. It's, it's a real, there's a real statistical case too, because Billy hit the ball great yesterday and he didn't putt. So I think it's a pretty safe assumption to assume that Billy's going to figure out the putter. Ah, and I wanted to see, so I tweeted one out yesterday, Sung Jay over 12 greens, 
He's got 13 and he's got a hole to play. So we are all good there. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of ways to look at it, Andy. I was, you know, you can look at the approach numbers. Um, there's, I'm, I'm just having a lot of fun basically having a new problem to solve, right? I think you're like me where, you know, something comes up, a March Madness bracket, a whatever. It's like, how can I solve this? And prize picks is like trying to solve that every single day. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> like I said, there's, there's variables and long-term data that we can really use over time. If you really want to just completely take all feel and heart out of it, you could just look at the greens and regulation percentage of a course and look at the number that the prize picks has and, and look at how the player is as a ball striker and literally just say, okay, I'm going to play the averages here. And I've been doing that a lot and it's been working out for me so far very well in prize picks, but it's really fun. And then if you want to kind of try and think more outside the box, we've talked about it before on this show where maybe start thinking about pin positions. They always put those pin positions out the night before. Maybe start thinking about long-term trends and data on specific holes. There's just so many routes that you could go down. I think it's a really exploitable market at this point. So um, I'm having a blast with it so far. The code you're looking for is Rick. 100% instant deposit match up to $100. It helps you. It helps me. It helps prize picks. That is a win, win, win. We are going to reset. I still want to talk about the top of the leaderboard a little bit more, Andy, but I've got a bunch of other topics that I think are going to be great conversation, but we'll get to those on the other side. If you're not playing daily fantasy on prize picks, then you're not really playing daily fantasy. They offer nothing but props and they do it better than anyone else. You pick two to five players on an over under and can win up to 10 times on any entry. They allow mixed sport entries, meaning you can take the over on LeBron James and the under on John Rahm. The golf specific props are amazing. Birdies or better, fairways hit, greens and regulation round score, and now, yes, single hole props that's right what score will a golfer make on a specific hole i have prize pick specific tools on my website to help you build the best entries and now prize picks is offering a 100 instant deposit match up to 100 just use the code rick at sign up or click the link in the description that's code rick good luck all right, Andy, let's uh, soft reset here because I do want to go back to this Honda Classic for just one second. We talked about Daniel Berger. We talked about Billy Horschel. I want to talk about Brooks Kepka for a minute. He opens up with a two under 68 when conditions are difficult. That's generally when Brooks tends to thrive. Did you like what you saw from him in round one as he now has to go out in the afternoon on Friday and try to shoot another low one? Yeah, I was fairly impressed with Brooks. I think you know, there was a lot to like about Brooks this week in, in the sense that he lives in this area. He's had a lot of great success on Bermuda courses, uh, and that's the surface that he practices on. And he's also had a lot of great success, obviously, on difficult courses. And so you get that rare combination here with a Bermuda course where he gets to sleep in his home bed that also is major championship-esque conditions. So I was very impressed with what I saw with Brooks. I think he still is probably one of those guys that structures his calendar based around peaking at the majors. Um, but it was it's it's really great to see him seem seemingly starting to turn it around uh, with the players in the Masters right on our horizon. As we speak right now, Daniel Berger is even money to win the Honda Classic at Caesars. He's 
far and away the shortest odds as you can imagine. Chris Kirk, seven to one. Brooks Kepka, who has not teed off yet, 14 to one. I mean, this has been an impressive start here. He's Berger, 10 under, and he's sitting in the fairway on his final hole of the day. So if he gets in at 10, um, man, he's he's pr- he's putting some distance between him and the rest of the field, especially if he's not going to make a bogey, Andy. If you're not going to make a bogey or a double at any point, you're really putting a lot of pressure on the rest of the guys. So are, are you taking Berger or the field? I would still take the field, I think. Yeah, we still, have, and- we still have half the field that hasn't played hasn't played their second round yet, and also I've seen the I've seen your one shot away from just coughing this thing up a hundred percent. And and it burned me last week though is when when Neiman got out to that big lead and everyone was saying, "Oh, it's over, it's over and over." I was saying like, "I'll take the field," and Neiman ended up winning. So you know, Berger is playing exceptional golf right now. I I you know, I I look at the guys that are kind of in the afternoon that still have to play that have the ability to maybe shoot like a 65, 66, 67, Kurt Kitayama, Rory Sabatini, uh, Peter Uline, Andrew Kozon. Um, like, do I see any of those guys shooting a 65 today? I'm not sure. So I, I would probably still take the field as well, but, uh, I do think Berger is probably going to be in prime position. I don't think anyone else is going to get to 10. Say that. I have an update. Louis Oosthuizen has finished his round. And, oh my God, he closed with a 29. So he started on the back. He made birdies on one, four, five, six, eight, and nine. He got through four, five, six in three under. Uh, 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 Louie is right back in this thing. He is in at even par following up a 75 with a 65, Andy. So happy to see. Um, my DraftKings lineups yesterday were all the way at the back. Like they show the little circles and where you are <laughs> to cashing. I was all the way at the back end. Um, this morning when I woke up, it was starting to get a little bit better. And now with Louie finding a way to make the cut and shooting 29 is a real score on this golf course. I don't That's, care how windy it is. Good. That's stupid that is, good. That is really, really good. So hopefully Louie can carry the momentum into the weekend. Obviously, he's got a long road ahead of him with how good Berger is playing. But uh, really proud of Louie to uh, grind and make the cut. A 29 is approximately... It's nearly seven strokes better than the field on those nine holes alone. That's like, I mean, that's a great week for some guys to make, to make up seven strokes on the field in nine holes is insane. And hopefully illustrates how good, I mean, only, only number three on the front is playing under par. Everything else is just, is just, uh, Louis gaining on everybody. Yeah. And I think what we talked about before the tournament started was, this is a field that Louie can take advantage of, right? Like it's it's really not a lot of top guns, but it's also a really, really difficult golf course. And Louie tends to do his best in difficult golf courses. He finished top five at three out of the four majors last year and almost won two or three of them as well. Um, so I'm, su- I'm super excited about Louie uh, figuring it out today and playing the weekend. 
Should we talk about Wolf at all? I, I I literally have his scorecard pulled up. Yes, that's exactly who I want to talk about next. Um, level of concern for Matthew Wolf, who shot an 81 in round one. He has two holes to play. He's five over, and he is in DFL by multiple shots right now. I'd say the level of concern is like a seven or eight, honestly. Mm. Like I I, I He's a vol. He's a very, very volatile golfer. Rick Abbott's we have said a million times, but there starts to reach a point where it's like, okay, are we just using the fact that he's a volatile? Like we heard this with Patrick Reed for the past couple of weeks to start the season. Like, ah, oh, Reed's volatile. And then it's like six weeks in a row where Reed's terrible. And it's like, well, maybe that's, maybe that's pretty Reed's consistent. Just, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's actually the opposite of volatile. And I don't want to sound the alarms. I think if we can remember, Rick, Wolf was really good this fall swing. He almost awesome. won in Las Vegas in yeah. your hometown, yeah. which was which we're not too far removed from. But it, I, I am concerned, right? I, I think like shooting 75 or 76 on this course, not the end of the world, right? There's a lot of trouble on this course. But when you're shooting 81, when you're shooting 15, 16 over par for two days, even if it is the Honda Classic, even if it is a major championship, that is speaking to some major, major holes in your game. I mean, this is so. Yes, I'm. I'm like a five point five on the concerned meter because arguably, if Matthew Wolf is not playing well, this has got to be the worst spot for him, right? I mean, this has just got to be the worst spot. Yeah, and well, this is the way that I kind of like to measure it in terms of my concern level, like say Matthew Wolf's numbers, his odds to win like the PGA championship dipped super low right now. Like, would you still buy on him? No, I don't I, think I, I would either. I, I think there's a case for it, right? I think if you want to buy on Wolf later in the season at the PGA championship in his hometown in, in, in Oklahoma or I don't know the the British or or something like that or the U.S. Open. This is probably the time to buy, but I, I'm like you. I'm a little squeamish. 81's bad. Yeah, 81's really bad. And you know, there's just so many other guys, right? Like when you look at a major championship field, are you like, wow? Yeah, I can. I think Matthew Wolf can beat these 50 other guys with what I'm watching right now. I I have not a lot of reason to believe that books don't like to get burned on him though. When he started playing, when he started playing well in the fall, he was immediately shot right back to like 22 to one or whatever it was when, when we got to Shriners, I don't know what it was after that, but like they, they do not want to get burned on this guy, which I find interesting because some guys, they take forever to move around. They bounce him around like, like a, a basketball. I see uh, Cola says in the chat, Wolf 66 to one for the PGA championship. That feels short. I, who, who I, else, the real question is who else is around him, right? That's yeah. the real question. Cause you can say like 66 to one. Great. Oh, that's awesome. But if the other options are, I don't know, maybe Cola can let us know, or I can look it up myself. Like I'll I can like, look it up too. It, it's, it's, it's about who's around him. Right. Andy, because those are the similarly priced guys. Here we go. PGA championship. Uh, I'm on DraftKings. Uh, I see Wolf at 80. Siwoo Kim, Billy Horschel, Sergio Garcia, uh, then you go to 100. It's Garrick Higo, Lee Westwood, Matt Wallace, Thomas Peters, Max Homa, Bubba Watson, kind of that world. Yeah. I mean, you could make an argument that Wolf is one of the better of those players. I'm looking, 
I've got FanDuel up. He's 66 to one. Yeah. I mean, he's right next to Harris English and Phil. Would you rather bet Gary Woodland at 80 to one or Matthew Wolf at 80 to one? At the PGA PGA. championship? Yeah. Wolf. Because I, I, I know he's played Southern Hills. I know that he's played Southern Hills. Um, it's, it's about an hour away from where he went to college. And, and I think it's a, still a good golf course for him. And I still think at least with Wolf in the last six months, we've seen him contend seriously to win a tournament. And we haven't seen that as much with Gary Woodland. If you're asking me about a matchup, I think I'd probably take Woodland. Woodland does very good at like finishing 47th every week, but <laughs> I, I'd probably still take Wolf's upside. Speaking of Gary Wilden, he's got a birdie putt here on his final hole of the day to get to three under, which would be well inside the top 10. So I did not necessarily see that coming. Hopefully good signs for Gary Woodland. I was going to dive into the Phil Mickelson stuff, but we just did like an hour on that yesterday. If you want to get into, if you want to go check out the latest episode of 300 Yards to Unknown, Andy and I are, um, we deep dive the Saudi thing. But from a strictly golf perspective, Andy, betting Phil Mickelson at any major championship or any non champions tour event is probably just burning your money on fire right i mean one the outlier was kiowa the that was the outlier yeah i that is that is not a bet that i would make i speaking to what we talked about yesterday like yes i would that was an awesome episode that was i think that was like the first 300 yards to unknown that my parents listened to too because like i said (laughs) this this story has kind of transcended golf a little bit where the new york times and the washington post is reporting on it too but so i would encourage everyone to check out that episode on the 300 yards to unknown feed where we really deep dive the phil and the saudi stuff but just to give a recap i think both of us are in the camp that Phil might be suspended from the PGA tour right now. And yeah. I understand that the majors are different from the PGA tour, right? The masters is its own thing. The PGA of America is its own thing. The USGA is its own thing, but outside of one magical week at Kiowa, I don't have the stats in front of me, but Phil has been largely irrelevant for like two and a half years. For sure. No, for sure. A hundred percent. And I don't need the stats to, uh, I don't even, I need to look that up to tell you. Cause that's absolutely right. Um, all right, here's what we're going to do. Let's do a little fun and games. I've got a couple of news topics. I've got a couple questions for you, but we'll dive into all that after 30 quick coffee seconds. All of the tools and data that you see me use on this channel is from my site, rickrungood.com. RickRunGood.com is one of the largest golf databases on the planet, and it's geared towards making your DFS and betting research process as efficient as possible. There are literally millions of data points in the database, and while that might sound intimidating, the tools that I've built allow you to cut through the data quickly, choose what's important to use, and even build lineups that are ready for import directly into DraftKings. Outside of that, membership gets you access to the Slack channel. Currently 2,000 run-gooders who are ready to share insights and have a little fun. I love it, and you will too. Sign up at rickrungood.com. Okay, Andy, our buddy over at Golf Digest, Steve Hennessy, has a nice little article up there in regards to Justin Thomas entering the golf course design game, and he's doing it with... Jack Nicholas, before I dive into the details of this or what we at least know, your initial thoughts to one, hearing JT get into this world and two, collabing with Jack on it. Mixed emotions. Yeah. Um, I, I 
I don't love Jack Nicholas as a designer. I think he does a lot of the same things over and over again. Like if, if you can hit a fade on a Jack Nicholas course, you're generally in pretty good shape. Um, but I love the idea of, uh, JT getting into that world. I, I, I think it's, it's awesome when, when players do, um, I wish that maybe he would have hitched his wagon to Tom Doak or Bill Corr and Ben Crenshaw or David McClay kid, um, who I believe are some of the best modern designers out there right now. But, uh, you know, Nicholas is a big name and he's got a lot of money behind him and his golf courses tend to do well. And, uh, he's done a lot of work in Florida. So he, he has a lot of experience working with that type of topography. Um, the name was very interesting to me. What do you think about it's like Panther Lake or something like that? Pan Panther national. It is Panther. apparently a 400 acre lot of land, uh, that will also include a housing development in Palm beach gardens, Florida, Panther national. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's a cool logo. It's a nice use of negative space, but I don't know what the relevance of it is. Are there a lot of Panthers in the Palm Beach Gardens area? I'm not. I'm not sure what the relevance is. Yeah, we'll we'll have to ask our friend Joe. Maybe I wonder if like Palm 400 acre lot. Because I was going to say that's like the most heavily populated area. Yeah, where they, where did they course. find this? Yeah, I was going to say where exactly. Where did they find this? Did you see? I want to give give a quick shout out to. My friend, John, he posted on Twitter when the news came out, he said he posted a picture of a giant golf hole, like a massive golf hole and made the joke, like, these are the courses that JT is going to design. And it's just that's this amazing. massive, massive hole where the cup should be, I which I thought was very that, funny. That's pretty, that's pretty good. Yeah. You, these guys love to uh, design to their strengths. It is somewhat rare. Is it not for a... An active golfer, especially one of Justin Thomas's caliber, to be already part of this process. And I guess it's to be determined about how involved he is, right? We know Brooks Kepka worked with, uh, I think it was Tom Doak on Memorial Park, right? And I don't, you know, the reports were everything from, he was drawing the designs to, yeah, he gave a couple of suggestions, right? Somewhere on that spectrum, but it's fairly rare for a, an active golfer to be involved in this. Yeah, the only other one that I could think of that's done a little bit of work is Sergio has kind of dipped his toes yeah. into a couple into a couple of designs, but but you're right. It it is a little bit different. I think probably like this is a convenience thing for JT. Like I think probably he drives over to this course, which is like 10, 15 minutes away from Jupiter, and it's probably closer to the side of uh what Brooks was doing with Memorial Park than him really putting on a hard hat hard hat and, and driving a bulldozer. You know what I mean? So I, I think it's probably a convenience thing for JT, but I'm really fascinated. To, I wonder, did they, um, have they reported yet whether it's going to be public or private? Oh, good question. I do not know that it's supposed to be completed at the end of 2023. So I imagine Opening up in 2024, plans include a nine-hole par three practice course, extensive practice facilities, 218 homes. Um, I don't know. I don't yeah. see anything about whether it's going to be private or public. Okay. Well, in interesting. Well, I hope it's public so I can go down and, and check it out one time. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's great, Rick. I, I love when players are, you know, I think some of the best architects ever in my opinion were former players so i think it's exciting for jt 
You know what I always thought one of the biggest scams was? And if I could pull this off, I'd be more than happy to be a part of this scam. But I'm seeing here, you know, Jack Nicholas has, quote, designed more than 425 courses worldwide. That feels like such a scam to me. Like, I understand there's a part of it where it's like, oh, we'll just slap your name on this or maybe you'll provi provide some input. But really, there's like no possible way he's designed 425 golf courses from scratch. This is mostly just like his team having input and using the name. Like, What, what does that actually mean, Andy? No, it's the same thing as being an executive producer on a movie. <laughs> it's like you were, you were the executive producer on this movie. That That's basically you saying you watched a first cut of the movie and maybe wrote down a sent few some, suggestions sent some on notes it. over sent some <laughs> sent some notes over no these guys all have large architectural firms and people that are doing the real legwork a lot of the time nicholas is looking at designs created by other people and putting his stamp of approval on them which is probably something similar to what jt is doing this week as well although i did see some pictures surface of which i always love to watch of them like in a, I guess like a golf cart where, you know, wearing yes. hard hats and stuff. I always love looking at stuff like that because it's like, okay, let's pose and do this. We are not the people that are actually doing that in terms of building a golf course, but we're on site. Um, yeah, yeah here's, here's my favorite. Fun. Let's um, dump a little bit of dirt here. We'll all get a shovel out and then we will lift up one shovel full of dirt and uh, we'll take this photo opportunity here. Yeah, this is always my favorite. Or driving around with like blueprints and a hard hat pointing, pointing around for the cameras. That's always the good one. Dan Kelly writes, it's like saying John D. Rockefeller built Rockefeller Center. Of course he did. But did he? I think that's a fair comp. <laughs> I, th I think that's a fair comp. It's very easy for yeah. these big name guys to do minimal work and get their name put on something. And trust me, if I could pull it off, I'd be all up in that game as well. But I can not. Uh, another thing I cannot pull off, Andy, is hitting the golf ball very, very far like the professional long drivers do. And there is another... PLDA professional long drivers association events coming up this weekend in Mesquite, Nevada. Kyle Berkshire is going to be there. Martin Borgmeier, all the big names. So I'm just going to ask you a very loaded question. Why is long drive not more popular than it is? Great question. I think the personalities maybe aren't there yet. I think um, the Bryson long drive when he did that um, long drive thing in Vegas, which you, I believe were at, yeah, I would say. was it, what was the buzz around there? Like what were, what, who, who were the types of people that were there? Were a lot of kids, because I think the angle that long drive could pull to be very successful is kind of leaning into a younger fan. So, okay. There's a lot. Um, if I remember correctly, it was like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then the finals were on Saturday. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, were just a bunch of old people sitting in the stands who I guess have an opportunity to get to Mesquite, Nevada at 11 a.m. on a Wednesday or Thursday, right? Uh, now, the streaming numbers, from what I understand, especially as the competition got going, were pretty good. But it, it like watching it in person is not that great. I'll be honest with you. you. You can't really see all that much. It's hard to follow the ball. I feel like if this was produced properly, like ES or uh, golf ESPN or Golf Channel, maybe both, uh, used to do, it could be a lot more popular. But being there is not like 
super special. Yeah. And did you, outside of Kyle Berkshire and Bryson, did you feel like they had a great group of future stars or at least personalities? So the problem that they have is, uh, obviously these guys pay to get into this, right? And they, you know, they have to qualify from some, you know, regional smaller competition and, like 90% of the guys that are in the open field have literally 0% chance of winning, right? It's just like, there's, there's eight guys and you go through many days and many rounds of some really bad driving of the golf ball so that the stars can get to the top. And it's like pretty boring until you get to the finals. But once you have like those eight, like that's pretty exciting. That's pretty electric. Those guys are doing things that humans can't do, but it's, it's, really hard when that's a tiny, tiny, tiny version, uh, a subsection of your, of your golfers or of your hitters. What Dan Kelly just said in the chat's really interesting to me. My son is 21. Him and his friends know all the long drive guys, even the women, me and my golf friends don't know any of these people. It should get bigger with time. Yeah. I think the long drives best angle wreck. And I'm no expert on this. This was a little bit, I got a little bit passed by, by this, but the more that they could probably lean into like the TikTok generation, like I have to imagine that long drive has a lot of TikTok potential. That's probably their best lane, right? Yeah. So this this all really stemmed from my thought that there has never been a better time for long drive because there's never been a better time of people caring what their club head speed and their ball speed is. Great. And point. now that that is so relevant and you see ball speed of Daniel Berger at PGA national and you see Bryson on Instagram and like that, that's what long drive is track man competition, right? It's, it's a, it's a simulator competition. It's a launch monitor competition. As long as you can keep it in the grid, which is a, a different skill set of itself, but like it's never been more impressive what a 220 mile per hour ball speed is because we actually know what that means. Now that was kind of the angle that I was coming from that. It should be more popular. I'm going to ask you like a somewhat more existential question. Um, what I think about Steph Curry in basketball, right? And I think mm -hmm. about how many kids because of Steph Curry said, oh, this is perfect. Obviously, I don't have the genetics of LeBron James, but I look at this guy who has become the best player in the NBA, one of the best players in the NBA, just by shooting a million three-pointers. Do you think that kids look at what Bryson is doing and say, Oh my gosh, I could be on the PGA tour by hitting the ball a million miles per hour. Like, do you think that he has, do you think that he'll be able to have that reach where he's maybe able to transcend a little bit um, and work towards a younger generation? I lean no, because I think that there are still physical limitations in what, um, Bryson has been able to like Bryson put on a ton of weight, a ton of speed works very hard. And not that Steph Curry doesn't work very hard, but like, it, it, I think, I think becoming Steph Curry is more reasonable to there's more less, people. Yeah. There's less of a transformation involved, right? Yes. So <laughs> what I actually think the future of long drive could be is weight classes. Yeah. Like if you hit it 320 yards and you're 150 pounds, that might be more impressive than hitting it 400 yards and being six foot five, 260, right? Because you don't want to box out 
99% of the population because they're not Martin Borgmeyer, who I'll tell you is a beast of a man, right? And you're not Justin James who has biceps like my quads, right? Like, the, like I'm not that guy. But like Rory McIlroy, Rory McIlroy might be the most impressive driver of the golf ball on the planet because he's not very big. He is just incredibly efficient. And if you had weight classes or some other way to go about ranking these guys, I think you'd get more people involved. And that, that like Tony Finau is another example where um, a lot of PGA tour players would be like, guys, you don't realize Tony Finau swings at 75%. Right. If Tony Finau, if Tony Finau really went out and he'd be longer than all these guys, I think the best thing that they should probably like, uh, could you have gambled on it? Ooh. Oh, I don't know. You, you should be able to gamble on it. That if, if DraftKings and FanDuel and, and all these places were smart, that would be awesome. They'd let you gamble on it because Rick, um, the UFC, um, in during the pandemic was golf was the second fastest growing sport in terms of betting handle. UFC was number one. So if you get into this situation where you've got weight classes, you, you, you get like this, these death match scenarios and stuff. Right. I, I think there's a really, really big opportunity there if they were smart. Jay in the chat says they should have a persimmon division. Yeah. Who cares? Let's go persimmons and like baladas, like whatever. I don't care. Let's, let's mix it up because I think that opens up. Cause right now I think it's just open, which is like what the, all the stars play. And then there's the women's division and the senior division, but I think that's it. And I think if there was a way to divide it up, you could get a lot more people involved. We should do a whole episode on like half-baked semi-serious takes but have i ever told you have i ever told you about my take that i think that they should um play the british open every year with hickories no. i'm like i'm like 95 percent serious about that uh st andrews they have tee boxes now that are like in a field 60 yards away like you yeah. can't lengthen that course anymore just the game, the British open is all about how the game was intended to be played in the 1800s with the ball on the ground. So why don't we play it that way with hickories? It's a good question. I will, uh, we will dive into that. Yes. We will have an episode. <laughs> I, most of my, most of my episodes are half baked ideas that I'm just throwing out there and seeing what sticks, but we will dive into that one at, at one point. I want to circle back because you said, could you bet on this? Which I think is important. I do know something that you can bet on this weekend, which I find fascinating. So the Westgate has odds. If you're interested, Andy, the golden T world championships are in Vegas this weekend and you can bet on it. The favorite Paul Luna, I guess he's a co-favorite with Joe Masara eight to one. And then there's a bunch of guys that you can bet on. I, I bet you there is, uh, someone in the know that could probably make a lot of money on this because I imagine that the cream rises to the top in golden tea. I'm really embarrassed to met to admit, or should I be embarrassed to admit who can say, I don't know what the golden tea is. Oh boy. Okay. So, um, <laughs> how old are you, Andy? I just turned 27. Oh my God. Okay. Hold on a second. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to pull this up. So golden tea. It's an arcade game. You know what this is. It's it's the it's the roller ball. Okay. Okay. okay hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna share my screen here. This is this is tough. This is tough. This is tough. I Google sir. This is this is golden tea. You know, you've okay, got the ball. Okay. Yeah. It's a video game. Okay. Okay. All right. 
we're in business now. Yeah, I, I, I do know what that is. I have played that before. Um, can't say I have a, a specific handicapping strategy for that off the top of my head. Um, I'll try and, you know, we'll put it in the model and, and see who it spits out. Uh, but yeah, we have reached uh, insane points with some of the things that you can bet on now. Right. Which I think is good right now. I will tell you, uh, Greg Kinsler is on here, former world champion. He is uh, in the Rick run good slack. He's 40 to one. I might just drive on down to Westgate and drop a drop a Benjamin on him just to support. But I bet you he could tell me, hey, so-and-so is a really good bet. But like, yeah, that's the, the whole point being, if you can bet on it, if you can, betting for, mo okay, the perception around betting is this horrible vice that is going to spiral people into a death trap of poverty and whatever, and drugs. That, like, that's the, that's the, perception that people want to want to do but it's really 99.9 .9 of people are doing it for a vested interest a rooting interest five dollars ten dollars to say this thing doesn't matter to me but let me root for something that's what the vast majority of people are doing it for and the more things that you can bet on even if they limit this to 25 or 50 bucks is like great so living living in Vegas, Rec, do you go? Do you like spend a ton of time at at sports books, or because no. you can do you can do mobile <laughs> you can do mobile betting too, right? Correct. Yeah. So I go to a, or the wife will come to our who's producing the show all the way from Orange County. Thank you. Shout Armina. out, Mina. Um, so we'll go to like Circa because we like Circa and there also happens to be an awesome sports book there. But like I'm not going to a sports book and like watching a game there. I can just do it all mobily and watch it on my TV at home for the most part. Okay. That that would that would make sense to me. I was always curious about like the idea of professional betters and like sharp betters like driving around town and like running through the strip to all these different sports books to get their bets down it always fascinated me yeah i just fire up a couple different apps the other thing is um vegas is way more regulated than a lot of other places so 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 some things that you see on DraftKings, like a lot of like player props or things like super bowl props like they they can't do here so there it's a it's a highly regulated market it might be a little bit more boring but you can get higher limits you can shop stuff so there's obviously pros and cons as with as with most things hmm. interesting yeah i'm still waiting for the uh the other shoe to drop in california uh which you know is very frustrating itself but i'm glad to see we got new york legalized as well which i'll be back there in a couple weeks as long as they don't screw it up like Florida screwed it up, right? Like they opened it, then they brought it back and who knows what the hell's going on. Like it just don't screw it up, California. You can make a trillion dollars in taxes uh, by doing this correctly. Don't screw it up. That's what I always fear when these states come online. Maybe if they legalize sports betting in California, Phil would want to stay instead of move to Jupiter. <laughs> I think the state income tax is probably still better for Phil. That would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> Had to get that one last dig in. Uh, real quick before we get out of here, I, I, this is a half-baked idea as well. Um, speaking of betting, if you could only bet on one golfer for the rest of your life, uh, who would it be? And there are no other restrictions, but you can, so you can bet this golfer 
outrights, top tens. Uh, you can do it in the jock market. You can do props on prize picks. You can do anything, but you can only oh, matchups. But you can only bet for this golfer, one golfer, rest of your life. Who is it? I think there's a right answer. I think the right answer is Morikawa because you have to. I also agree that's the correct answer. Because you have to consider a couple things, right? You have to consider how does this guy generally get treated? How much does this guy win? And off the top of my head, I can definitively say that so far in his career, now this might change, um, he has won more than what his odds generally suggest that he is, right? And so, you know, if you want to say that John Rahm is going to have a better next 10 years than Morikawa, I'll 100% listen to that argument. But John Rahm's odds, John Rahm gets so much respect by the sports books, right? Yeah, and you, so, won't, you won't make any money off of John Rahm. You won't make any money off John Rahm. So the first name that came to mind for me was Morikawa. For sure. I think that is the absolute correct answer. The other one that I would consider, and I don't know if it's this guy specifically, but Sung J.M. Yeah. Because if you're doing one. Morikawa, you, you're, you're sitting out a lot of weeks, right? Yeah. Sung Jae at least plays a lot. He's very young. I imagine that when he's at the back end of his career, if he doesn't go to the champions tour, maybe he goes and does like some Asian tour stuff or like, I don't know if, if, if more, I'm sorry, if Sung Jay already had a, a green jacket and I knew he was going to play the masters for the next 35 years, I would know I would at least be able to bet the masters every year. But like that, that to me, you know, quantity uh, over quality might be interesting too. Cause you just, even if you have a worse guy, you just start betting him in matchups, betting him in top twenties. I don't know. I'm, I like that. And I, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you another sneaky answer. Mm -hmm. What about cam champ? Because cam champ's going to be 300 to one every single week and he's going <laughs> to win once a year. Yeah. So how, like that's can, true. Yeah. If cam champ hits a hundred to one once every two or three years, you're kind of in business. It's it's that's true. Yeah. And especially if you like bet him every week to win top five, top 10. And then when he actually does it, you've, you've now like 400 extra money in that one week. And you just hope he does it again in the next 24 months. Exactly. I mean, I was thinking about Brooks a little bit too, but Brooks's major numbers. Now they they're caught on to him at majors. He's like and 13 to one at majors. What about his health? Like what yeah. about his health? Who knows? So I, I think it's actually, Maybe the rest of your life is a bit aggressive, but if you said like the next 20 years, like you have for 20 years, you have to pick one golfer and then another 20 years, you've got to pick another golfer. It would be a lot of personal preference. Do you want to try to make money? Do you want to have a sweat or do you just want to be able to bet golf every single week? It's interesting. Or yeah, bet, or bet players that you like rooting for too, right? Like yeah, that's the other thing. My heart says Sahith Tagala, right? <laughs> right. I yeah, love that guy. One. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, Andy, any final thoughts before we get out of here on this Friday scramble? I don't think so. Who wins Who wins the Honda Classic as we sit here on Friday morning? Uh, so as we sit here, Burgers three clear. Kirk uh, has an outside chance at birdie on his final hole today to get to eight under. I say, I mean, if you make me pick one golfer, it, the, the golfer has you have to, to pick is Daniel Berger. Uh, okay, non-Burger non division. Non-burger division, Aaron Rye. That's I like Oliver. that. I like that. Oh, hey, Oliver, quick, yeah. real quick, because uh, I'll go Alex Noren. 
I like the position Alex Noren's I was going to pick Alex Noren, but he's already played today, and I was hoping that Aaron Rye would shoot a couple under par and get closer. But, like, Noren was the first guy my eyes went to. I've got a, I've got a pre-tournament wager on him. He's a Me grinder. Too. Par's a good score. He's eight back. Uh, he's going to need some help. I, but Noren was the first one I my eyes went to. when you Me asked. too. And, and then on this course, it's like, I like that he's done. It's like, get off the course. That's true. Like, like true. get off the course. Like, the scoring average is over par. So, I, yeah, I think Noren's going to be relevant this weekend. Fingers crossed. Um, Andy Lack is available on Twitter at ADP Lack Sports. He and I did uh, a an extensive dive into the Saudi golf stuff that we probably could have done three more hours on. That's on the 300 Yards Unknown feed. There's also a video version of it on uh, the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. Producer Mina, big hat tip. She is in Orange County producing this show. Thank you very much. Uh, you can find me at Rick Run Good, and we will be back with a brand new scramble on Tuesday. See you then. Good luck.